you were here last week, uh, we were talking about specifically Timothy. Uh, Paul and, and Silas encountered him on that, that second missionary journey. And we talked about his godly upbringing. We talked about the good testimony that he had as a Christian. And then we also talked about his surrendered life. And prayerfully, as a, as a parent, as a grandparent, if you were here, and even I think every Christian, of course, uh, that you were challenged and you were encouraged to, um, to, to follow that same pattern. Whether, whether you had a godly upbringing or not, maybe you're here today and say, man, I, I was so disconnected from that part because I didn't have a godly upbringing. Um, the truth is this, you can have a surrendered life and you can have a good testimony that God can use for his kingdom now and your family can experience that godly upbringing. Um, whether you bring in, you've been bringing your kids up in a godly, God-first, God-honoring way or not, you can surrender your life right now to do that. And, and again, I know there's a lot of parents today struggling with doing that because there's so many challenges in the world, so many things going on that your kids are facing, so many decisions you're having to make to say no to or to uh, take a stand on. But uh, we talked about the links that, that Timothy was willing to go, the depths of his surrender being so great that led him to do something that seems crazy for some, and I would say probably most of us in this place today, but what stood out to me, and I think in, in Scripture very clearly, is that he wanted to be a vessel for Christ. And, and I want to remind us and, and, and you this morning about something very important. Christ suffered so much for us. He suffered the greatest suffering that anyone could ever suffer. And he did it on our behalf. And I, I believe Timothy had in his mind the sufferings of Christ. And so when it came to circumcision as a man, I don't think that he thought it was light. I think he thought it was definitely something heavy. But he maybe had a thought like this, what is circumcision? What, what, what is anything compared to the suffering and the sacrifice of my Lord Jesus Christ? And so again, I believe the answer that he gave was nothing because he went forward with the circumcision. He went forward in faith, serving God. And uh, this morning... I think it's so vital for us to remember that as we move forward. On that note, though, I, I do want to share this. I, I was reading a devotion, I think it was last Monday, and it was about David and, and Ornan's threshing floor. And many of you know that story, but he had the opportunity, the king, to just take the threshing floor. Um, it was offered for free. And he, he denied it. And he said this in 2 Samuel chapter 24. The king said to uh, Orana, uh, or Orna, um, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And he built an altar to the Lord and he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. Again, we, we, we think about in, in our time now, and, you know, Brother Tony was talking about it, and Brother Nosh talked about answered prayer, and um, it's just an amazing thing that we can do anything for our Lord. As I said a while ago, that thought that one day we'll walk beside the King, that's an amazing thought. His, his blood, His sacrifice, his, his, his way, Him being the way provided us an opportunity not only have a relationship with Him now and serve Him now, but to live with Him forevermore. There's so much there, but I just want to say on that note, thank you to every member of this church. 
Uh, you, you, have, you have served, you've sacrificed, you've surrendered, and there have been men and women through the, through the, the, the years of this church's history that have given and, and, and served greatly. And uh, I, I believe that many of you have had this same theme, that there was no sacrifice too great. Uh, there was not anything too, too high, um, no, too, no, no call too great um, because of Christ's worth. And so I, I just say thank you uh, for, for your, your faithfulness. Thank you for your service. And uh, I'm looking forward to what God has in store for us. Maybe 37 more years, maybe not. Some of you say, Lord, please no. <laughs> please not 37 years more. But um, if he does, I, I know that God's going to continue to bless because of you. Uh, but we continue on in the study this morning. I think we're going to see some crucial things uh, for us to remember. But if you do uh, recall, they were moving forward in the journey. And this disagreement that Paul and Barnabas had sparked this, uh, this split, if you will. And, and Paul and Barnabas go on. Take, I mean, Paul and Silas go on. They encountered Timothy. The fruit was clear. The Bible says in Acts 16, verse 5, that the churches were strengthened. And the number of the churches, the number of the people were increased daily. Chapter 16, verse 6 says this, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now it's important to understand what that means, because today we say the word Asia, and we think the entire continent of Asia. And what, what it's talking about here is Asia Minor, what we would understand as modern-day Turkey. And so they had a desire to go and do that. And some of the churches that were there, some of the cities that were there, you would be familiar with, especially if you have read Revelation, the first part of Revelation. Cities like Ephesus and Smyrna and Philadelphia, Laodicea, Colossae, Sardis, Pergamos, and Thyatira. So this is what they wanted to do. But they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. It says this, verse 7, After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them to do that as well. So, passing by Mycenae, they came to Troas. And it was there that a vision... And this is the second vision that the Apostle Paul was given by God out of six. The first was on the road to Damascus. This is the, se the second one. This vision appeared to him in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And you say, well, where is Macedonia in relation to that? Again, if you have modern-day Turkey, you have the Aegean Sea, and then you have Greece, which would be to the west of that. And so that is what they were talking about. Macedonia is, is, is known as modern-day Greece. So if you, if you understand what was going on, they were traveling, and they wanted to go to Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, which would be a little bit south from where they were. And, and so they said, that's what we want to do. The Holy Spirit said no. Then they go to Mycenae, and they said, well, we're, we're going to go a little northeast and go up to Bithynia. And they said, Holy Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go south. I don't want you to go north. I want you to keep going west. I want you to cross that sea, and I want you to go to Macedonia. Again, doing, doing that by way of a, a vision. And it said this, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And said, so, wow, okay, so this is an interesting story. It's a neat story. What's the application for us? Again, we've tried to take these little points and things that we can gather along the way in this, but one of the things that's obvious in this passage is this. Sometimes the Spirit of God closes a door. Sometimes he closes the door, and it's very obvious that God has closed the door. And sometimes it's, it's in a job, right? Sometimes everything's going amazing. It's, you, you know, finances are great. Benefits are great. Amazing things are great. You say, man, I, I'm just working. I'm going great. And then God says, boop. 
That door's closed. I'm done with you there. And in this door closing, I've got something to teach you. I've got something to grow you. I've got something else for you to do. And sometimes we say, well, this doesn't make sense. Why in the world would God close this door? I mean, this is how we pay our bills. This is how we put food on the table. This is how we do, this is how we do life. How in the, why in the world would God close this door? Sometimes it's with a job. Sometimes uh, it's in relationships. Sometimes it's in friendships. Sometimes it's in ministry. God says, I'm done with you in this capacity. I want to use you like this. I'm done with you sitting, and now I want you serving. That, that door is closed. I want you to do something. I'm like, yeah, but it, it, would be, it would make a lot more sense if I did this. And maybe that was part of the Apostle Paul's uh, approach. Maybe that was part of his um, strategy as a church planner, as we would say in modern vernacular. Maybe it was part of his plan as, a, as the missionary leader that they were going to go to these regions uh, that made sense to them. There's not necessarily a need to cross the sea and go to Greece because they had a lot of work to do there in Asia Minor already. And God said, no. Closing that door, closing that door. Sometimes the Spirit of God, of course, opens a door. They, they had not planned to go to Macedonia, but God opened that door. And sometimes it's not just the finality of him closing a door or the, the, uh, just the surprise of maybe him opening the door, but sometimes he does both at the same time. Sometimes he closes the door and opens the door all at once. The difficulty, I think, that happens is when he just closes the door and we are to just wait and seek him. Wait for that next open door. But in all of this, I think the struggle that many Christians, if not all Christians have, please hear this, and you, you're going to relate to this if you've ever experienced this, is this right here. Is this just me? Is this just my emotions, my circumstances, or is this God trying to do something? What's the difference? What's the, is, is this just circumstances of life? Is this just my emotions wanting me to do this? Am I just trying to escape something? Am I trying to get away from something? Is this me, my circumstances, my emotions, is this me trying to do this, or is this God? Again, I think that if you've been a Christian any amount of time, you've faced times and decisions where you were really struggling to figure out if it was God's spirit or if it's your spirit. Is God leading me to do this? Is God leading me to go through this door? Is God leading us to do this or is this me? Is this us? And so this morning we have, a, I think, a few truths and even tips we can say to help us out as we move forward in this 38th year as a church, and, and not just together, but also individually. Maybe you as a Christian, maybe you've been, maybe you've been not as devoted to God. Maybe he's, he's said, you know what, you're, the reason why you're where you're at is because of where your heart is. And so maybe we can find a few things to help us as we face those difficult decisions in our life, uh, individually, and as a church as well. And the first point is this. It's, it's an obvious point. But it's a vital, vital, vital point. Always stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Always stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The truth is this, God sometimes just changes plans. And it, and it doesn't necessarily always like, make sense to us. 
And sometimes it's that path that seems a little more difficult. Why is this happening? Why would God want us to do this? Why this would be a lot easier to go over here? It would be a lot, lot more fun, a lot more enjoyable. I'd be able to get rid of all the issues and the problems if we could just do this. Last week, um, Sunday evening, Brother Christian preached, and he shared what was going on in the Congo. Uh, but as he was doing that, I was reminded of their story uh, once again. And some of you know what happened, but it was very similar. They had felt the call to missions. They had surrendered their life to missions. And, and so they were praying about how God would use them and where they would go. And, and so they felt like maybe it was the Philippines. So they took a, um, a mission trip to the Philippines. And they were there and, and fell in love with the people, fell in love with the, the, the country there just in that short time. It felt like they were being confirmed in some things, but while they were there, they met someone who told them this, y'all need to come to the Congo. And that was a Filipino person who was a missionary, a doctor missionary in the Congo, and he told them while they were in the Philippines to see if that's where God wanted to use them, y'all need to come to the Congo. Now again, uh, talking with them and praying with them and working through that whole process, they felt a lot like what we're, we're seeing here. Maybe like, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. We've never even thought about the Congo. We, that, doesn't, that, that would take a lot more work. We don't really know anybody in the Congo. We know people in the Philippines. We've had connections with people in the Philippines. But the Congo doesn't make sense. We, we don't have any idea. I mean, there's, there's way more English-speaking people in the Philippines than there in the Congo. Why the Congo? But I know for sure they were in a place, as I said after last week, after he preached, that they were constantly and desperately seeking God's will. They were surrendered. They were willing to do whatever he wanted them to do. And I believe they were staying sensitive to the Spirit. Part of staying sensitive to the Spirit is staying yielded. And the best example that we have, we know, of staying yielded to the Holy Spirit so that we can stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit is our Lord Jesus Christ. There in the garden, He's about to face execution. He's about to bear the sins of the whole world. My sins, your sins. He's there under the weight of the, the wrath of God, the, the, the pending wrath of God being poured out on his body as the substitutionary sacrifice for all of mankind. There he is in the garden feeling this great weight of pressure. So, so much a great, uh, great of a weight is that the Bible says that he sweat as it were great drops of blood. That's intense pressure. That's intense weight. And there he prayed and he said, Father, if you are willing, in Luke 22, remove this cup from me. And then he said the words that are all so familiar. Yet not my will, but your will be done. He was our perfect example, is our perfect example. And I want to say to you this morning, regardless of how your flesh feels, regardless of what your emotions are telling you, regardless of what makes sense to you and what may be the easier path, I want to encourage you and charge you this morning to stay yielded to the Holy Spirit. Stay yielded to the will and the Word of God and to the spiritual authorities that God has placed in our lives. That is key. That's key. That last one, though, is I think where many today can have a lot of difficulty. Staying submitted to the spiritual authorities that God has placed in our life. And the reason I think that we have difficulty with that today and the reason why that is discounted is because others have discounted that. And the reason I think that 
discounting staying submitted to spiritual authorities has happened is because of several reasons. I think, number one, people have disregarded spiritual authorities in their life that God has set up because there have been those spiritual authorities who have approached ministry as a job. There there are pastors and ministers who approach the ministry and, and go into the ministry because it's a job. And I think there are so many people that have discounted spiritual authorities because so many men have quit the ministry. I think people also have discounted spiritual authorities because so many in those positions have failed and have become a public shame. I think they also have discounted those spiritual authorities because those in positions of authority have abused it, have abused that authority that God has entrusted to them. And so many in those positions have spiritually abused and spiritually manipulated people that God had given them to care for. But I want to say to you this morning, just because there have been those men who have done those things doesn't negate what God's Word says. It doesn't. Hebrews chapter 13 still says this, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God, considering the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. I've always said this, it's, not, it's never easy to, to preach things that have anything to do with yourself, but it's still God's way. It's still what God's Word says. It says in, in, in verse, thir- uh, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. That would be a, no advantage to you. But the truth is this. Some have flipped it. They have put all confidence in man. They have put all of their trust in man and not filtered that, that confidence and that trust and even what the, the, the spiritual authorities maybe have told them with God's word and prayer, and they've messed it up as well. See, it's about staying sensitive to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will always line up with the Word of God. And if some man, myself included, gives counsel that's from God, it will line up, it will be from God's Word. That, that's just the way it will be. The Spirit of God will line up with the Word of God, and the counsel from the man of God will line up with those. In our text, Luke is recording what's happening. He, he's, he's writing down what they were experiencing as men, as, as a missionary team. They were, they were going through this together. And, and the amazing thing was they were unified in this. There was no separation. There was no differing opinions. There was no, Paul said, God has given me this vision. Even though it makes sense for us to go here, it would be a lot easier for us to do this. Okay, well, we're not going to do that. Well, well, it would also make sense for us just to go here versus having to worry about ships and, and paying people to take us across and figuring out how we're going to get across and where we're going to go. To go over to Greece doesn't make a lot of sense, but a lot more difficult. Paul, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't say that. It says they were yielded to what the Spirit had directed and they were willing to do. And again, this next point is vital. Sometimes in the course of our service for God in modern day times, we determine to do for God what makes us happy and what makes sense to us. What we feel good about. And so, well, shouldn't we do, shouldn't we serve God in a way that we feel good about it? I just want to encourage you to study God's word and see if you can find that there. 
What I find is men and women throughout the ages who were constantly tested and tried, constantly put in difficult situations where their faith had to be activated, constantly, over and over and over, being put in situations to where it couldn't be only because it made sense to them. It couldn't be only because it was financially uh, smart for them. It, it couldn't, it was, again, we see in Scripture over and over and over in times that God's Spirit leads His people in a way that they have to absolutely rely on God. They have to set aside their emotions. They have to set aside what makes sense to them, what feels good to them, and say, God, we're yours. We don't always determine to follow the Spirit. Sometimes we determine to follow our heart. And this can be a big mistake. Point number two is this. Never simply follow your heart. Things go wrong. Things get difficult in ministry. Think relationships get muddied sometimes. Paul Barnabas. Things don't always go the way that we want. Our story. And guess what gets involved in that? We've talked about it recently. Emotions. Emotions. Our flesh gets involved with that. And so then we're in this battle of, of flesh and spirit. We're, we're dealing with emotions and thoughts and feelings, all this kind of stuff. And, and at the same time, God is wanting to use us. So we, all, we have this, 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 this situation. We've got to determine what direction do we go? How do we move forward? What do we do? And, and, and I believe, according to God's Word, that we should never simply follow our heart. Hey, what are you going to do? Well, I'm just, I'm just going to follow my heart. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Well, but this is what feels right to me. Don't, 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 don't do that. Listen, I just want to remind every single one of us in this place today. There was a woman who once lived on this earth who I don't know could be any closer to God than this, this woman. And the devil tricked her on her emotions. Pulled her away from what God's word said and got her to react in her emotions. Oh, that fruit is good for food. <laughs> hey, yeah, why wouldn't God want us to eat this and be like him? Again, going on, just, I just follow my heart. No, 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 don't do that. That can mess us up big time. And again, so many times people get messed up because they start following their heart. And then they start blaming God on that. Well, I believe God just opened this door. Whoa, wait, 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 back up. Are you sure that you were staying sensitive to the Spirit? Are you sure it wasn't just emotions driving you? Are you sure that it just wasn't something that went kind of ugly and muddy like Paul and Bar? Are you sure that it wasn't just something that was a little more difficult like it would be easier to go down to, to, to Asia Minor? It would be easier to go up to Bithynia. But, but why do we have to go across to there? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else. Man, you want to know what can really mess us up in our spiritual walk? Our own emotions. We've talked about that. That's why it's so important to determine. A couple weeks ago we talked about this. Is this the Spirit of God leading and directing my emotions? Or is this my own flesh directing my emotions? It says it's more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 tells us to do this with our heart. 
to watch over it with all diligence. Make sure that you're guarding your heart. That doesn't mean wall off people. It doesn't mean to keep yourself guarded from relationships. Not at all. That's not what it means at all. It means that your heart is desperately wicked. It's evil. It can lead us astray so fast. So we've got to be careful and keep watch over it. We've got to to keep a, a constant diagnostic check on our heart all the time. Is this me or is this God? Is this my emotions or is this spirit? From from it flow the springs of life. Again, we are to guard our heart. It's the seed of our emotions. And Jesus said it's the well. It's the source of our words. It's the place that Christ dwells in and rules from. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant to you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in your inner being. And listen to these words. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That's where God, God wants to have control of our heart. He wants to have control of our emotions. He wants to have control so that when our, our, our words come out and so when our decisions are made, it comes from him. And not from our flesh and not from the world. So many emotional hot, hot points in our world today, amen? So many, so many things today that are emotional hot, hot points. Buttons that can be pushed that can trigger emotions like that, right? Even among Christians. It happens today. So many people get emotionally triggered. Even Christians. And then act in those emotions or react in those emotions. And can completely disregard this truth about Christ dwelling in us. The Spirit's direction. And I would say this, even and especially when something doesn't work out the the way they want it to work out. And I would say this, even and especially when they're serving the Lord. Again, think about these guys. Think about this team. Why? Paul, what is going on, man? You said you had a vision. Look, I wasn't ready to cross the sea. I don't know about all that. Why, why this? Again, things can, can really uh, trigger emotions. And then those emotions can trigger actions and decisions that are derived from the Spirit of man and not the Holy Spirit of God. Our plans, though they may be good, and in the course of serving the Lord, are sometimes halted by the Spirit of God. Well, this makes a lot more sense for me. This makes a lot more sense for my family. We need to guard our hearts. We need to keep watch of them. Make make sure that we're not simply following our hearts. Again, Paul could have insisted to go to Bithynia. He could have said, you know what? Look, I get not going to Asia Minor. I get that. That takes a little. But man, to go up to Bithynia, that takes a lot of faith. And that takes a lot of effort. I'll go to Bithynia. God, let us go. And he could have insisted as the leader not stayed sensitive to the Spirit. He could have insisted on the Spirit uh, as the leader to go to Bithynia. And I will say this, had Paul done that, maybe God's grace would have stepped in and maybe God would have said, all right, I'm going to teach you this, I'm going to allow this to go on. But he could have also messed it all up. Everything. It's clear his heart was set to preach in Asia Minor. And when that door was closed, it was clear that he intended to go northeast. And we know he, couldn't, he, he could have not stayed sensitive to the Spirit. 
and messed it all up. The other side of it is, is his team could have gone off. Those who were with Paul, those who were under him in the Lord, those who were serving with him, they could have gone off and they could have said, Paul, we don't think you're right in this. We need to stay on this side of the Aegean Sea. We, we need to do what we had intended to do. Paul, we, we understand that you feel like you, you saw a vision from God and God gave you this vision. Paul, we, understand, we, we believe that, that you, know, you are the leader, but man, this, this doesn't make sense to any of us. They could have done that. But point three is this. We learn from them to perpetually abide in unity. And the reason why this stands out so clearly in this scripture is I want you to notice the pronouns used in this section of scripture. Look at verse 6 again. Look at verse 6 again. It says, they were forbidden. Look at verse 7. It says, and after they had come to Messiah. Look at, look at it again. They tried, but the Spirit did not permit them. It's not talking about Paul. It's talking about the whole team, everybody. Look at verse 8. They came down to Troas. Look at verse 9. Paul, the leader, receives the vision from God. And then verse 10, look at what happens. After he had seen the vision, immediately, look at the, look at the pronoun, we. After, after the leader said, hey, this is what God has shown me, they said, we. Concluded that the Lord had called Paul. No, no, no. Look at the pronoun again. That the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them perpetually abide in unity it, it, it's it's jesus's prayer and his desire i've used the scripture so many times john 17 many of you have, have read that you've, you've been here when we've preached through that that would just be one one example in scripture his prayer was that we would be one just as the father and him were one but then he would say this through the Apostle Paul in Philippians, only conduct yourselves in a, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you uh, or remain absent, I will hear that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Again, it started with the direction that Paul was given. It was what he was led in. Again, the team could have said, no way. We're going to stick with the plan. Paul, if you want to do that, go do that yourself. But they didn't. And one thing to account for is this. Here's the reality for the leader. Here's the reality for the pastor, for the shepherd, and the other leaders. Here's the reality. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock of God in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. James chapter 3, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. 1 Peter chapter 5, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as, a, as well as a partake in the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. Well, I've got to. No, willingly, 
as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject, to the el- be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. One day I'll give an account before the Lord, and there's a strict judgment waiting for me. There's a strict judgment for waiting, waiting for our elders. There's a strict judgment waiting for every teacher of God's word. Paul would have to give the same, maybe a stricter one as an apostle. There's a strict account coming for, for those in leadership. So the response of the team, of the church is clear. We saw just a bit ago in Hebrews 13.7 and 13.17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. First Thessalonians, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work and be at peace among yourselves. I, I don't say that for any other reason. Personally, I, I, honestly and sincerely, you have to know from the bottom of my heart, I'm saying that because that's how Jesus is glorified. It's the Holy Spirit. It's his church. He orders it. This is the way it has, it has to be done orderly. And I'll say this, if God gives us one more day as a church, or if he gives us 37 more years, or if he gives us 73 more years as a church, however many it is, it's vital that we remember there are going to be changes and shifts. There are sometimes going to, God's going to do something that is going to take us to operate in faith way more than we are operating now. But regardless of what lies ahead, what victories are ahead of us as a church, what, vi- what defeats may be, what mountaintops or valleys that we're going to face together, what seasons of blessings that we in- enjoy, or what seasons of struggle that we walk through together. We need to make sure these three things are very clear in our, in our life and as a church. Number one, that we are always staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you and challenging you this morning as we move forward from this into this 38th year of a church, let's make sure that we're always staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Number two, let's make sure that we never just follow our own heart. And thirdly, let's make sure as a church we're constantly maintaining and operating in unity from the leader and the other leaders down to the newest member of this church. Let's make sure that we are giving every effort, as Scripture says, to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And I believe God is going to do amazing things. We don't get into it. We're going to get into it next week, God willing, to see what God does because they said, you know what? We're going to stay sensitive to the Spirit. We're not going to follow our own plans, our own heart. We're not going to follow what makes sense to us. We're going to stay together. We're going to follow the leader. We're going to see what God does through that next week. But I want to encourage you today. Man, 37 years as a church. Let's determine this is what's going to happen with us so that God gets the glory in the church for the next 37 or more. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your, your word. God, I'm, I'm challenged. Sometimes there's things in ministry, even as a pastor, that make a lot more sense, that seem a lot easier to do. And it's, it, it, it's the same battle, to follow you or follow my heart. And God, I, I pray in, in front of this congregation, this church, Lord, I never want to do that.
I never want to just follow my heart, what makes sense to me. I want to follow your spirit, stay sensitive to you. Lord, help us all determine that this morning. God, I believe there's great things ahead for Trinity Baptist Temple. But I think that you are doing some amazing things now. We've seen people recently saved, and, and, and today um, we're going to see a, a family added, uh, the family has been added. Lord, just again, you're doing great things in this church. We pray that you just continue to do that. And help us remember these things and, and live them out in our life. Lord, help us now as we respond to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to encourage you to come.